Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for TSM Press Box. Opinions, analysis, and the occasional awkward silence. Here's your host, Jonas Siegel. Hey, Press Row fans. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. The only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Thankfully, there's no elections right now, so you don't have to worry about that. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. Of course, they have a 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. One. Welcome back. Another episode, Believe in the Press Row. A uh, very gloomy, overcast Sunday afternoon. Hope everyone's keeping well. If you have a bracket, uh, I know it's not perfect because apparently there's none of those left. Uh, pretty big upset this morning. The Fighting Illini, I believe, went down. They, they were certainly going down the last I went by the uh, the old telly, if you will. Been an amazing weekend. Uh, good hockey games. Blue Jays baseball's on. And uh, super excited to talk to somebody who I haven't talked to in a very long time. He uh, arrived in Toronto uh, and I'm going to call him the great white hope of sports radio in Toronto at the time. He was a breath of fresh air at a time where the station had uh, was looking for, for fresh young faces. And uh, he had a short four-year stint in Toronto. We miss him uh, terribly there, but he is killing it out in Vancouver. He is Andrew Walker. Andrew, how are you? Good. Good to talk to you again, aside from... The odd snarky direct message. <laughs> Here we are. It's uh, it's funny. Like Andrew and I go back and forth, giving each other shit on, on Twitter for dumb things that we say from time to time. <laughs> happy, happy to report that they always come back to one of us saying "just kidding" or something like that, and we still talk to each other. So, so, so there's that. Um, you are now the uh, the host of the Drive Home Show on uh, Sports Talk 650 out in Vancouver. Um, how's that been going? Uh, well, I, it, it's been going good. We have a lot of fun. I mean, it was a big undertaking, um, a, a, opening an expansion radio station, if you will. I mean, we had the, the brand of Sportsnet behind it, but, um, I, I think we're very, for your listeners in Toronto, we're probably very comparable to the, to the road that 1050 had in, uh, in, in Toronto, maybe our, our timeline is um, a bit more streamlined than, uh, than theirs were, but the, but the challenges were kind of the same, right? Because there was a heritage station here, not quite to the extent of 590, but uh, our number one goal, you know, was to eventually, eventually topple them or eventually uh, kind of make our way in, into the market. So that's kind of been the challenge for the last few years. So you're, you're co-hosting a show called The Program, Monday to Fridays, 4 o'clock, with Sat Shaw. Um, 
You had a bit of a, a bumpy landing when you came to Vancouver as the, the ghosts of Twitter past kind of came to fruition where people are like, wait a minute, who is this guy? And, and one of the things I always admired about you is a, a lot of people in your, in your role, especially on social media, tend to play it safe. And, and maybe that's why. Um, you wear your opinions on your sleeve. Um, how hard was it to blow over some, you know, not necessarily negative, but honest comments that you had about either the Canucks or anything else going out in Vancouver to all of a sudden showing up and being, you know, one of the sports media faces of town. It was, uh, it was, it was a learning experience because it's, I mean, you know, we've been, we've all been on Twitter for 10, 11, 12 years now. And um, it's probably an interesting thought experiment. I mean, if you Google my name along with, I don't know, the hurricanes, I probably said bad <laughs> things about the hurricanes, right? It's just kind of, but it was a, it was an interesting lesson. And uh, Vancouver is a very, very online city, especially sports fans. It's just, they're very hyper aware of everything going on on the Twitter sphere and, and the internet. But it was, yeah, that experience, it was, because even in Toronto, I wasn't really like a, a villain or like, I wasn't controversial per se. Um, I kind of say what I think sometimes, but that wasn't my role there. And I remember moving out here or I was about to move out here and not that I was going to be like some conquering hero, but I, I kind of assumed that the market of Vancouver would be excited for a, Hey, it's a new radio station. It's new options. It's new choice. It's new shows. It's new hosts. And, um, and, you know, I figured that, that, Hey, this would be a market that, would be excited to have me kind of thing. And uh, it, it was, they were, people were way more territorial and way more tribal and way more resistant to change than I, than I thought. And instead of, uh, yeah, instead of that kind of welcoming entry point, there was a couple of, you know, loser bloggers basically that, that wrote hit pieces on <laughs> hit pieces from my Twitter before I ever worked a day in this market. And so, you know, when I showed up to day one and, uh, and then Botchford came along too. Um, and I, I just kind of got thrust into that villain role in Vancouver a little bit. So it's kind of come around, you know, I'm trying to soften the image a little bit, but for the first few years, that was kind of what put us and me on the map. It's just that people just like to hate the idea of the Toronto guy coming in, I guess. Yeah. Which is pretty funny because you're not really the Toronto guy. Like you grew up in i was gonna say rural saskatchewan not that there's exactly anything but um yeah. the, make, the, the most rural of the rural yeah you you make your way to calgary uh you you get into radio there with with the fan in calgary and how did you end up in toronto from calgary mm, yeah well I, I mean i my first job was in north battleford saskatchewan and then i was six years in in red deer and then and then, yeah, finally into the actual long-form talk with Sportsnet in Calgary in 2010. Uh, Vancouver is interesting because the um, – or the Toronto was interesting because I was working in Calgary, and I got approached by actually 1040 here, the TSN station, which is now – well, now defunct, but was, a, was our biggest rival. And uh, so I flew out – so this is about 2012, 2013, and I flew out here twice – and met with 1040 and they were putting together a new morning show that did run for five years with bro Jake. And so originally it was going to be bro Jake and me. 
and actually sat the guy that I'm doing the show with now. He was the, he was the producer of that show. Um, and then, so they were actually sending the contract over to my place in Calgary and I was going to go to Vancouver and flip networks and work for TSN. And then, um, and then Collins, Don Collins called me kind of at the 11th hour basically and said, Hey, you know, I know you're close to Vancouver, but, um, move here instead. <laughs> so I, you know, and, and so I did, I, and they was, you know, and they, they put me with, with Greg Brady, as you know. Um, and I felt really bad at the time for kind of bailing on Vancouver. I hadn't signed anything, but I really thought I was coming here, but it was tough to turn down Toronto, right. With the Jays and the Raptors and 590 being the, you know, the, the hallmark station that it is. So that's how, it, yeah, that's how it came, came about. And I eventually ended up in, in Vancouver anyway. So, you come from Saskatchewan, you end up in Calgary, then you end up in Toronto. How different than, um, well, I can imagine massively different than um, Saskatchewan. How different than Calgary? And, and now in retrospect, how different than Vancouver? Uh, a lot, a lot different. I still, um, I, I, I did really enjoy my time in Toronto, especially professionally. Um, because there a lot happened, right? I mean, the Leafs were were not great. They had drafted Boss Matthews by the time I left, but um, but you know, it was the golden age of the Jays there in fifteen and sixteen, which was which was crazy to do radio every day in that span. And you're a baseball fan, like yeah, you yeah. you are known for being buying tickets and actually sitting amongst the fans cheering on the Blue Jays. Yeah, no, but, no, the playoff the playoff runs cost me thousands i'm still paying those off but, <laughs> but and then you know and, and the raptors got really good too when i when i moved there um they i think two or three months after i moved there they made the big rudy gay trade and all of a sudden they took off right and and yep. they've been dynamite ever since so i was sorry i missed the title there but i you know in in terms of toronto being different i always describe it this way like and I don't even mean as an insult, but like you have Calgary and you have Vancouver, you have Edmonton, you have all these Canadian cities of personality and Toronto is a big American city. It's not like I, I separate it from Canada. I don't mean yeah. it as an insult either, but no, it's, not, I... it's not, it's not Canadiana, you know, like they, like they don't, even people in Toronto, they don't love hockey like the rest of the nation does. They love the Leafs, Right. But it's a, uh, you know, here it's a Canucks all the time. And there it's, you know, it's Jeter and LeBron and David Ortiz and Drake. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just bigger. It's like a big, it reminds me of Chicago, to be honest, more so than, than another Canadian city. So, so Toronto was different, but good. So it's interesting because that was, I mean, you, you, you marionetted, if that's a word for me perfectly. Um, so you're on the air in Vancouver and I'm, I'm in Seattle. So, so there are times where I actually am able to pick up a signal. Um, so you have Canucks, obviously. If it's not Canucks season, are, are people looking to your station for Blue Jays coverage? Are they looking for broader NBA coverage? Is it more CFL? What about Blue Jays? I mean, look, the uh, whatever T-Mobile Park, I believe it is now called, uh, gets more Blue Jays fans than they do Mariners fans when the Jays come to town. Um, do they adopt... Toronto teams when it suits them because there's no other teams or is it still you know more BC Lions and, and Canucks than it is those two other teams the well there's a lot of a lot of things to answer there I I, I think that the loud um, Twitter sports fans would tell you that 
they hate everything Toronto and they never adopt anything. Where in reality, um, you know, when the Raptors had their playoff run, you couldn't, uh, people like to say they, they hate things Toronto, but when the Raptors had their playoff run, you couldn't find a bar stool uh, in this city to sit in. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, it, it's a bandwagon town, right? Like the Mariners are, are never good, but, but when they are, people like it. Um, there's more of an influx of the Blue Jays, obviously. It's a, it, it's a popular team. It's not a ratings driver. There's one ratings driver in this city, and that's the, and that's the Canucks, and even in the offseason. Um, but the, the single A affiliation with the Canadians has certainly helped kind of smooth over the, the, the Toronto angle of the Blue Jays, I think, for a lot of people. And then a lot of guys on the Jays, people remember them from their short season uh, A-ball days here. Um, in terms of everything else, well, I mean, here's an example right now is, you know, with the, the change in media here, the, the Lions and the Whitecaps rights are basically up for grabs. And I doubt we're going to do anything with it, right? Because it's right. just not, it, you know, it's not worth it. Um, people like different aspects of different teams here. If it's popular, when the Whitecaps were winning a lot of games, it's a, it's a pleasant place to to be and a a good experience, but it's not a great, it's not a great sports town. Um, They love their Canucks. They love their hockey. Um, People here don't support a whole heck of a lot else. I mean, the Canadians are an interesting example because they sell out every game, but there's what five, 6,000 seats there. So it's not, you know, we have the Canadian games on, on the radio, but it's not, you're not emotionally tied to the wins and losses. I would say the second most popular team in the city is probably the Seahawks, to be honest. So that was my next question. Are the Hawks, where do the Hawks rank against the Lions? Uh, I think, I think the Seahawks are more popular than the Lions. Yeah. If, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Just in the sense of, I mean, it depends how, how you measure that. Um, well, you're on the air, you know what the buzz is. You, you, you yeah. feed the beast. Yeah. We honestly, we, and I, I like, I like the CFL. Um, I come like, I come across like I don't like it, but I grew up in Saskatchewan. <laughs> I, I love, I love the CFL, but, people here we don't we don't talk about it on on the air very much and how impactful if at all do you think having the kraken now across the highway is going to be i think it's going to be really As, big. assuming the border ever opens up yeah. again i think it's going to be really big i think it's going to be um i think it's going to be fun i think it's a much needed proximity rat rival for for vancouver and the one thing about the only fan base that I've seen that kind of rivals Canucks Twitter and what they do is Seahawks Twitter. So I think that, that the Seattle hockey and Vancouver hockey, I think it's going to be a really good, fun rivalry. And I think people here are worried that, you know, if Seattle has Vegas like success, they'll, they'll kind of instantly signal and pass <laughs> the Canucks, which I don't think is going to happen, but um, I think it's going to be big. I think it's, I think it's, and I think the whole, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. I think it's going to be great for this market, honestly. Yeah. And I think, I think the both fan bases are going to travel well. I think very, you very know. well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, assuming the border is open, going either to Vancouver for the weekend to see the Kraken play uh, or vice versa. I, I know a lot of Canadians who've told me anecdotally that when their team comes to see the Kraken, they're going to make a weekend of it to come see the Kraken, come see the Hawks. Um, Yeah, certainly interesting times. Um, So you get to Toronto and you, did you, you started off flying solo in the afternoon. Am I, am I right? Or did you go right to mornings? 
Uh, no, it was, so when I moved there, it was um, late August in 2013. And um, it was a bit of an awkward transition because it was Brady and Lang right. and me and me. And I kind of went in as the, the third wheel. I went in as the third wheel, but I, and maybe this wasn't a very professional um, way of doing things, but I knew, I knew that Jim Lang was likely going to be let go before he was, before he was let go. Right. Um, I think that because it was so rushed me going out there in the sense of, you know, Collins gives, gives me that call because I was coming to Vancouver. So I don't think it was a long, deep scouting process. It was kind of for them, they needed to kind of shit, shit or get off the pot, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, so when I got out there, I, I think the plan was, I think Brady wanted to change. So the plan was for it to be Greg and myself. And I think that there was a bit of a transition period with Jim almost as an insurance policy. I think Don wanted to make sure that I could hack it and, and I, and I could. And so then a couple of <laughs> weeks later they make the change and then it was, then it was Greg and I in the morning. And you know, as somebody who's lived in other markets, that show Brady and Walker in the morning felt very, and this isn't a bad thing. It felt very stereotypical of other major market morning drive shows. Is that something that you, I mean, Brady spent most of his career at the time in the States and WDFN in Detroit, that show felt very, again, American with as much uh, pop culture as there was sports. Was that intentional? Uh, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's, it's funny. I don't, I don't cringe, but um, I consider myself a different guy and a different broadcaster than I was when I first started in Toronto and at that point, uh, I was kind of just tickled pink and over the moon to be working with Brady and working at the fan and the bright lights and all that kind of stuff. So the early days of that show definitely went the way that he wanted it to go. And then right. we had Ryan Fabro, who's in management now, but he was just a superstar producer, best I've ever worked with. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, the sound was I was kind of going along with what Brady wants. And I, and I think that over time, um, over time I was able to kind of massage it more into what I wanted it to do, but, but the show, the show was good. I mean, you know, we had good ratings from the fan in, in the morning and we never quite got to dip into those crazy blue Jays runs because by that time we had moved to the afternoon, but, um, yeah, the, the early days of that, it was, I remember it being a lot of pop culture, probably a little too much, but quick moving and, and, uh, you know, touching on pretty much everything. So I'm not sure if you saw, but um, I know you know, but I'm not sure if you saw what I'm going to reference. Tim and Sid recently split, and there was some pretty interesting media about the two of them. And, and one of the things that they mentioned was that they kind of had this agreement that they weren't going to socialize outside of the show. Yeah, I, I did. I did see that. That was. Uh, I've never heard. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Um, not asking if you and either your current co-host or you and Brady had such an agreement, because I'm willing to bet that you didn't. Um, what What is that dynamic like with you? Because you know you've you've been with partners for a long time, and and you know you're relatively young. How important is the relationship in studio and out of studio with a co-host when you're when you're doing? you know, especially like a, either a morning drive or an afternoon drive? I mean, it's, it's, it's really important in the sense of 
you know, I think it's like any, any relationship. If, if there's something untenable between the two of you, there's an expiration date on it, right? Like, you know, Tim and Sid are an anomaly in the sense of they've been together for ever. (laughs) I mean, 20 years, basically, right. Tied at the hip. Um, And if they just generally kind of didn't get along, that's impossible. I mean, you can't tie yourself to someone for, it's like staying in a bad marriage for 20 years. Right. And I've had, I've had a lot of different partners. Um, so Mike Richards in Calgary for a little bit before he moved to Toronto. And then it was Boomer and I, who's still in, in the morning show in Calgary. Yeah. And then um, from there it was Brady and then uh, Ennis and, and Bunkus in, in yeah. Toronto for a little bit. And then Scott Rintoul out here and then sat. And every one of those relationships and dynamics have been a little, have been a little different. Um, when you genuinely enjoy hanging out with uh, someone and our friends away from the, the microphone too, I think it goes, I think it goes a long way in terms of trust. Um, I mean, so it's interesting with Tim and Sid, because if they're, you know, if they didn't really socialize, they didn't hang out that much. Um, their, their chemistry was still great off the charts, you know, as far as Canadian media goes, I wonder how, how good it could have done if they were actually legitimate hangout buddies. Right. But my, my co-host here sat, uh, is, has turned into one of my, one of my best friends. Um, so it's, it's actually, I'm really happy right now. It's a, it's a real pleasure working on the show. And did you, did you have that with anyone in Toronto? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, cause you'll probably listen to this. I don't want to dismiss Ennis and Bunkus. Those guys are those guys are, are, are great. A bit of a different uh, dynamic because, you know, JD always had this, you know, thirst and a hunger to, to get in there and be the guy and, and run his own show. So I don't, I don't want to say it was, it was competitive, but I wasn't surprised, um, you know, to see him spread his wings a little more when I was able to, to get out of Dodge there. So, um, but I mean, those guys are still really good friends, but every, every, relationship is a little bit of a different dynamic um but i would i would say that well, i was really close with boomer as well in calgary so yeah i i mean i i, I definitely prefer the 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 friendly <laughs> the friendly back and forth i think hey press row fans march madness is just around the corner which means all eyes are going to be focused on the hardwood especially as we get ready for nba playoffs as well which means sneakers are going to be the rage everyone's going to want them Why not head to our latest sponsor, eBay, to get your latest sneaker fix? They have an authenticity guarantee that allows you to buy these sneakers on a marketplace that you can trust. Each sneaker receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. It protects sellers with a verified return process as well. If you're a seller, eBay has eliminated all selling fees on sneakers that are over 100 bucks, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today eBay is the world's best destination for discovering great value, unique selection. Go buy or sell your sneakers today. All right, so I want to play a clip from uh, one of the, the Brady and Walker shows, and, and hopefully you and everybody can hear this. So, so let's take a quick listen. Um, my blood's not boiling over this because I half expected it when I woke up this morning, but you'd be surprised how often in five and a half years – I have not been called a Roger Schill. You've, you'd, be, you'd be surprised how little it's happened. I want you people to know something, too. I've worked at this place quite a long time, more than half a decade. I've never been told what to say. I've never been encouraged to be more positive. 
Um, sometimes I go home at night and I think, should I be more positive? What do people want? Where, 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 where am I in my life with thinking about this stuff? But I'll tell you something. Um, there's a lot of people right now, when we want to talk about shilling, okay? Not Kurt, but shilling for a product. There's a lot of people right now who are drawing a paycheck from Bell, who are destroying Rogers right now. So let's ask about their objectivity in this matter. Let's look into that a little bit and ask when they've been dummied in television ratings for the last several months to a year, when they're now the second most watched network instead of the first most watched network, never mind radio where they've been a hot pail of garbage for the half decade that they've been on the air. They, I mean, you'd be better off sending carrier pigeons out in 2015 if you want to get a message out. So be really careful. That guy's a Roger Schill. Is that guy from Bell telling it like it is? So those can't see Mr. Walker. He's got a bit of a smirk on his face. You're sitting in the studio and that happens. What's going through your mind as your partner just eviscerates the competition? Uh up the dial. I couldn't remember yeah, what the, yeah. the numbers were. Uh, I, uh, I, I remember it well. Uh, so that day was... Something had happened with Anthopolis. Yeah, he had was, had a press conference. Yep, that was the craziest. Um, he, well, he, he quit that day. He resigned. Okay. And that, so that was, that was very shortly after the 2015 season. And there was... Or the playoff run. And there was all the euphoria, right? And... and you know, they won the division in Baltimore and people are, you know, thank you, Alex, and the trade deadline. And then they, all that stuff, the bat flip. And then, yeah, however it went, but they, they announced that, you know, they're, they're planning on bringing in Shapiro. And, uh, which in that clip, by the way, you both call Shapiro. It was really funny. I didn't play that, but, but keep, I keep going. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. And then, oh, and so basically, yeah, Anthopolis resigned, right. And, and left and people lost their minds. It was the single craziest day of radio I've ever had in terms of caller volume and, and vitriol. And like people were, uh, cause he was such a martyr when he left Anthopolis. Right. And so it was a, it was a crazy day and it was a really emotional day. I remember. And the, we had not the, the number one rule. Um, like the first thing that you get told when you start working at Sportsnet or the fan is especially when you're number one is the other guys don't exist. There's no competition. You don't tweet at them. You don't mention them on the air. You nothing like they do not exist. Just, so, so now that you've, you know, you've confirmed that there at least is a playbook is the Nick Kiprios, those fuckers at TSN tweet, tweet. Is that like the front page of the manual? uh i mean yeah probably it's a it's a it's a great example it was early days but then i wasn't there for that but um but i I mean that's what i was told anyway you just do not mention um because all of a sudden you you give them a platform and and a voice and and honestly there was only one guy that broke that cardinal rule in my time there and it was that day and it was it was the rant from from brady and i mean he's not wrong and he, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't wrong at the time. And I remember thinking, you know, okay. Like he got, a, he got a little flustered because how I remember it is, is Brady kind of got his jollies off of kind of going after uh, the fans a little bit or the, or the teams or, or whatever. And if, if people zigged, then he would zag a little bit. 
And so he, <laughs> I think he, uh, he initially, you know, his initial take was basically, it's no big deal that Anthopolis is leaving and you should get over it. And, and then the fans started calling him a shill and he kind of prided himself on being the anti-shill. He liked to rip the team. So all of a sudden, I think his wires crossed in his brain and there was kind of a no-win situation. And then, he, and then he kind of snapped a little bit and that was the, uh, and that was the rant there, which, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I remember it didn't go over very well. Yeah, so that's the, the obvious next question. Is that the boys you need to come to the principal's office after the show and have a discussion or, you know, it's done and it doesn't need to be discussed? I honest, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he was talked to about it. Um, cause again, it was the number one, it was the number one rule. It's just, you know, um, you know, don't, the number, don't talk about fight club kind of thing. And, uh, and yeah, and he, and he broke it. So I, I can't say what I wasn't involved. I didn't get in trouble, but, um, I can't say what, what meetings he had or, or, uh, or whatever, but. So fast forward to January 2015 and you are going to be the new co-host rogers puts out a press release that you're the new co-host for the dean blundell show uh a, a marriage that never even made it to the aisle at least not the public aisle um what happened there uh what happened there well uh so that was a you know that was a, a don collins brainchild and i i think i can't really speak for don i i think that um you know Dean was such a broadcast legend in the market for so long. I think he was almost a bucket list kind of thing mm -hmm. where, you know, it's like, Hey, if, you know, if I ever get to hire, you know, Bob McCown or Dean Blundell or whatever, I'm going to do it come hell or high water. And the opportunity came around and it it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, but even, you know, brand awareness and, and, um, you know, uh, putting yourself in, in the corner of someone controversial. Like even now, I don't think that's a move that Rogers or Sportsnet would ever do. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago. Um, but I think, you know, brand awareness is probably a little less then than it was now. And so, yeah, I think it was a bucket list thing for Don and, and, and he, and he pulled this trigger and, and we weren't overly happy about it because we thought things were going pretty well uh, in, in the mornings. And, um, and in retrospect, they were. Yep, they were. Yeah, they they were good. Uh, numbers were good, and again, this was pre twenty fifteen Blue Jays, and I, I do think there's a little bit of. I know for sure there was with with Greg. I, I think that you know I think he was kind of forever resentful of that because I, I I think that there was a little bit of what could have been if we were on the air during that twenty fifteen playoff run. You know what what the share could have been, and. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was just very aware of, and listen, I don't, I don't know Blundell very well personally. He's a, you know, he's a good broadcaster and he has his, he has his brand and he pushes buttons and I totally understand that. But as a young broadcaster who is, um, you know, trying to make his mark and trying to, I just was very uncomfortable attaching myself um, to that. And if it, if it failed, I mean, I was going to fail along with it. Right. And I, I, it felt like it was a, it felt, it felt like it was a situation beyond my control. And, 
uh, and I, you know, and I, I don't like to, like most people, I don't like to be told what to do. And, and, uh, you know, for, I was just kind of announced on the show and I, I just, it was not something I wanted to do. And so I, so I, yeah, so I said, thanks, but no thanks. It was a, you know, I had some meetings and it was a bit of a, a bit of a risk because that could have been it for me kind of thing. Um, but I kind of gambled on that they wouldn't want to lose me. Um, but I, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to attach myself to the, the Blundell show in the morning. And, and, uh, and so they eventually moved me to the afternoons and it was a, it was a play that, um, I, I mean, I, I guess it worked out. Hindsight is 2020. I think, I think if you ask Collins, he would have said that the show, which eventually didn't really work out on 590, he probably would say that the show would have worked out if his, if his actual plan uh, had have gone like he wanted. Yeah, I think that the problem with the show, and I've written this, is that <clears throat> you can't, Dean Blundell couldn't be Dean Blundell doing that show. And my opinion is, with all due respect to you, it didn't matter who was sitting next to him. You know, like, you can't bring Howard Stern in and tell him not to be Howard Stern-esque because then you're not getting Howard Stern. And it felt like you brought Dean Blundell in to do something that wasn't his bread and butter. And it was a muted version of Dean Blundell, as it was with Andrew Crystal when he came in. And, you know, when you when you have a certain genre, expertise, what have you, and you're not able to do that, then... Uh, yeah. That, that's my opinion. Yeah, Anyways, that's, that's fair. It's like, you know, it's like trading for Mookie Betts and then play him at first base or something, you know? Uh, so Correct. I, I, I understand that, you know, and, um, you know, Dean has a, has a unique brand that has even evolved even, even more. Um, and yeah, I, I think the way that the world is going, I, I think larger corporations one that rogers is something that you know that you kind of got to put your hands up and, and stay away from stuff like that but but you're right um i think that i think that the original vision for for don was was yeah probably um blundell from the edge and just bringing that onto sports radio and it just kind of didn't go that way so you guys moved you moved to the afternoons and things actually went fairly well um you were the lead in to mccowan i believe um, the station was doing relatively well. The Jays got hot and lo and behold, there were changes announced. You survived those changes the first round. Um, a year later, they bring Brady back. I pretty sure you were still at the station. Were you not when he came back for round two? How weird was that? Not just for you, but for everybody. It was, yeah, it was weird. Um, it was, it was strange. We, um, when we moved to the afternoon and I, again, I can't, I can't necessarily speak for Greg, but no, no, I, I'm asking your opinion. Your yeah, take. No, That's my, all. my sense was, um, Greg was different when we moved to the afternoon. Um, I, I think he, and he had been in the mornings obviously longer than I had. And I think he didn't, I don't think he took the, the demotion, if you will. Yep very well and his tone and tenor kind of changed and and uh you know he would get into it with collins quite a bit and then there was stuff that you know like that audio clip he played and, <laughs> and uh yeah he owned he had his own kind of way of of rebelling and and uh i think when they eventually moved off of him it 
I wasn't overly surprised. It was get kind of poking the bear a little bit, but, um, and so, yeah, so, so Greg was off for a year and it ended up working out for him because I think, you know, a day after his severance or no compete ended, they, they hired him back to do, to do the mornings again. Um, I didn't, I didn't see much of him, uh, when he got back, but it was, it was, it was strange. I think people questioned maybe the, the, almost like a hockey team, almost like the asset salary cap management, right? So right. It's like, what? They paid him to go away and now they're paying him to come back. That seems odd. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, uh, the afternoons was, it was all right. It was, it was nerve wracking because we re- had replaced him and Sid because right. they had made the move to TV and they were such an institution on, on the radio. And, and uh, I, I think I was worried at least, you know, it's like the guy replacing McCown, right? Um, yep. I was worried a little bit that there'd be a lot of, Hey, you're not Tim and Sid. So we dislike you. And it, and it wasn't that as much as I, as I thought it would be. Um, the, I think the biggest key was just don't, you know, don't pretend to be Tim and Sid on the air, basically just do your own thing. But, but yeah, I was, ha- I was happy with the afternoons. And then once they let go of Greg, I, I launched solo and then eventually Ennis and, and Bunkus came in. So what was it like working with McCown? I mean, talk about an institution, you know, the guy had a show that was number one in market forever. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's stepping outside the lines too much to say that since he walked out of the studio, the numbers, the station hasn't recovered. The numbers have gone South. Did did you have a lot of interaction with Bob or not so much? Uh, Not a lot. I mean, probably a lot compared to most people in the building. I think, you know, people, you know, work there for 10, 12 years and, they can remember the time that Bob <laughs> spoke a few words to them. Right. Um, so I, I had, I had, I'd like to think that I'd like to think that Bob had a fairly healthy respect for me. I don't think he thought I was a young punk. Um, you know, if I said something to him, he'd, he'd answer. If I asked him on the show, he would come on the show. I, he, you know, got, had me on the round table a couple of times. And I know that some people were absolutely not permitted to go on the round table. So that, that meant a lot to me. Uh, went over to his house once for, for kind of a, an industry chat, which was, which was nice. Um, but yeah, Bob is not, you know, he's not the, a a warm grandfatherly mentor type. Um, so, you know, if that makes him an an asshole to some people, I, I guess, but I didn't see that. I just, I appreciated Bob. What I, how I would describe McCown is this industry is, there's a lot of, gossip there's a lot of backstabbing there's a lot of back talk there's a lot of um you know people trying to take care of their corner right and bob wasn't warm and friendly but he wasn't a backstabber bob just did not care whether you lived or died and right. I, I i appreciated that honesty kind of thing right like you just kind of knew where you stood with bob and he wasn't you know he wasn't trying to back channel you and he wasn't being friendly to you and then going to steven brunt to talk about you like that just wasn't bob just didn't give a shit and, and I, I respect that. So two-parter, um, the station is clearly in a little bit of disarray from, you know, they have no program director right now. They're in the Springbrook, the first week of which they ran reruns of Tim and Sid. Um, it's now Tim and Friends. If you could wave the magic wand, how would you fix it, knowing what you know about the market? 
And then the second part, obviously, to that is, could you ever see yourself, and ever is a long time, but could you ever see yourself going back to the market and to the station? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know really what's, what's broken, let alone how to fix it. I think that obviously there's been some transition. I mean, you know, Bob wasn't going to be around forever, much like Tim and Sid weren't going to be around forever. Um, I, I'm looking forward to see who the new TD is. Um, because I, I assume that whoever it is, it's going to be a bit of a different flair. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if it's all, oh, you know, the fan is not what it used to be so much. So as, as, you know, the industry continues to change and evolve and, and, you know, listening habits change and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of above my pay grade to figure out, you know, exactly what to do. I, I, I don't stress about stuff like that. Cause I look at it like this. I'm a, I'm a host, right. Not yep. so much a radio host, but just a host and, and wherever direction Sportsnet goes, if it's everything's TV or everything's podcast or everything, well, I'll, I'll host in whatever medium you want. You just figure out what that medium is. So I honestly, I don't, I don't know uh, how I would, how I would fix it. I, I think there's a lot of talented people there. I think it's just kind of figuring out what habits are for people in, in COVID and a pandemic and where they get there, where they, where, where they do their listening, you know? Um, and as for going back, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot more rungs on, on the ladder. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't have any designs to go work in a big American market or anything like that. Um, I really like, I really like Vancouver. Um, I'm already doing drive here. So yeah, if I, if I guess I was to, to go back to Toronto one day, um, it would, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be open to it eventually, you know, I, you know, but I can't say it's like a huge goal or anything like that. Well, that's awesome. Um, we are heading into, I believe the NBA deadline is this week. The NHL, not that far off. Major League, yeah, Major League Baseball opening day. Uh, you'd know better than me the exact day, but it, it also, I don't think, is that far off. They didn't delay it, right? It is still, some, so we've got to be getting relatively close. Yeah, I, I want to say, I want to say we're two weeks um so tons going on plus you know the end of this experiment that is the canadian only division which i think it's unfortunate that it's going to be temporary just because it's been it's been great um i'm way more interested in watching games right now than i have been in years um, I, find, I find i'm less i'm watching a whole lot less american hockey though like none like yeah. zero um almost zero yeah for me anyways um, so the, you know, it's good, interesting times as we head into, I don't know about you, but my, my brain is completely off kilter with regards to calendar. I can't believe we're about to be in April. It feels like we're in February. Why? I have no idea. I just, my brain's all messed up in terms of, of calendar and timing, but, uh, he is the afternoon drive home show on, I believe it is called the program. I can see the awesome marketing at work. Somebody spent a lot of time and energy coming up with that name. Uh, afternoon drive on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, which you can find on all of your podcast networks. Uh, it's really good to see your face for me. It's good to hear your voice. And uh, thank you for being with us. And the next thing, next time something big bubbles up, I hope uh, we can count on you joining us again. Yeah. Thanks, man. Good, good chat with you. Please uh, stay healthy to you and your friends and family. And we will uh, talk to you next time in the press row. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.